Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, our first Zoom edition. I'm Ashley Mahoney with the Charlotte Post. My co-host, her boy, our editor-in-chief, is unable to join us today, but don't you worry. He's got plenty of podcast ideas that will be coming your way soon on the Queen City Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcasts. They'll be there. But in the meantime, in between time, we have Charlotte Independent Center back, Hugh Roberts, joining us. Hugh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ashley, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. And it has been an interesting season for you guys. And it is, gosh, it is hard to imagine January 27th when training started at the Sportsplex out at Matthews that we would be talking about a pandemic, a shortened condensed USL championship season, the fact that fans aren't allowed there, media is not allowed at home games, just the state of the world in general. But it's, it's been a busy couple of months. We're going to try and catch everybody up about what's going on and where we are. We got to where we are. What happens tomorrow? Because lo and behold, you guys are in the beauty of a 16 game regular season, five games in, a third in group G with six points. And it is basically Wednesday weekend, Wednesday weekend, all the way up until September 30th when you close out the regular season up and carry against North Carolina Football Club. That's a busy, busy, busy couple of months, especially with the games that you guys have had postponed because of the pandemic. How are you physically and mentally holding up with so much packed into so little time? Yeah, physically it's a lot. We, like you said, we've been playing a lot of games in a short amount of span. But they do a good job here with rehab. Pretty much after every single game or every single training session, we go to rehab at Exos after, make sure we're stretching properly, making sure we can also go to one of our like ice chambers as well. And they do proper rehab here, so it's been all right. But mentally, it's another battle because we also have to get up in the mornings right away sometimes. You're exhausted from the games. Um, then you're, you know, if there's a quick turnaround between the different opponents. So you might have played somebody just a couple of days ago, and I'll get to forget not really forget, but learn from the mistakes that happened. That was kind of what we reviewed today, the mistakes and how we can close things out better. Um, but, you know, those things all help us out in the long run, so it's a quick turnaround now, but in a great way. And honestly, this is kind of like uh, every athlete's dream, kind of playing a lot of games and a little limited practice, you know. So, yes, it's a quick turnaround, but we look forward to games always, so it's been good. So it looks like over the stretch since you guys returned, you've had a consistent back four. Talk to me a bit about, you know, the opener against Memphis. You let two in, is on the road. Then you went to Birmingham and four were put past you. And then for the last two games, you held both Charleston and Birmingham to one piece. Talk to me a bit about, you know, the defensive cohesion with this group. Yeah, well, like you said, it's been a steady back four. And we've had Brandon and Aaron from last year as well, Andrew well as well. So we've had a strong chemistry already. Duke came in flying already from the jump of preseason. So that's been a great piece for us and a great addition. But yeah, that game, it was definitely an, a first game for us, first week for us, honestly. It was just, it was definitely a rude awakening coming from all June and July playing League One teams, playing only ourselves. And a lot of those teams are already five games into it already. And you could tell that they're definitely USL. I'm here, sorry. 
you can tell they're, they're, they're definitely USL ready, game speed ready. Um, and I mean, like I said, it was an awakening for us. We also were, came into it with a different strategy, different, uh, game plan kind of. And as you saw, it kind of didn't work out for us as well, but you learn from those things and we had a quick turnaround. Think, thankfully, in my sense, we were able to play Birmingham right away. We all were, were kind of looking forward to that game. Um, but we are, we're able to adjust some things. And as you've seen over these past couple of games, it's been helpful for us. We're playing much better. What was different aside from the lightning delay and then another lightning delay against Birmingham on Wednesday night at home where you held them one all? What was different about that match defensively versus the 4 1 result at their place? Yeah, so as you saw, kind of at their place, we were a little higher up the field pressing and we weren't in sync. I would say that our pressing and all people were going at different times and you could definitely tell we were a younger team that didn't have the chemistry yet. But we came through and we ultimately knew that, you know, they're, they have pretty good pace and play a good direct game a little bit. But we came through and switched things up where we went more into like a mid block and let the, maybe the center backs kind of dictate the game, dictate the game more and try to keep it in front of us some. They still can play direct, but we still could feel very confident as a back four. Yes, they did, we let up four goals in the game, but any team can let four goals in in the game sometimes, and those things happen. Those are learning experiences, but we didn't feel that. It was because our defense was solid. We didn't feel because we didn't have the ability to shut these teams down. It was definitely a, a first week in a long preseason for an offseason for us. So, it def- like I said, we switched some things up, and we were able to adjust and play much better this past week. Yeah. Tomorrow night, you get to play Memphis again at home. And I'm sure that, you know, for those who are following the expansion of USL, you have some bigger names, if you will, who have gotten involved in the game, whether that's through playing, ownership, a combination of the two. And speaking of a combination of the two, you've got someone like Tim Howard, who plays for Memphis. You had Valentin score the equalizer there. Luke get his first pro start and first pro goal as well. Is that something that crosses your mind at all of just get a set piece in the box, have Enzo send the right ball and just head it into the back of the net against someone like that? Or is this not? It's all business. Just get the three points, call it a day. It's always all business, but it's definitely a little heightened. You have Tim Howard and goal. You've been idolizing him and watching him since you were a little boy. I commend his career playing overseas, doing his thing in the World Cup for us on the national team. We definitely will never forget those times. But now that he's on the other side, it's like, Man, maybe I can, you know, <laughs> notch one in him, uh, a legend in the game too. So it's definitely hiding a little, a little bit. And I'm glad for my young boys for getting their, their first goals in the season last game. Um, it's definitely something we won't forget and carry into a home field advantage just uh, tomorrow night. And you have four more games left in August and it's hard to believe that tomorrow's the 15th because I mean, I swear I'm like, I'm still in January. How are we talking halfway through August? And then you go into a stretch of seven games in September. That's a lot. So how are you managing, forget forget September, forget those seven games, how are you managing the remaining four games in August? Yeah, so that's key. Right now, I would say our break is coming up with like a little week stretch in between before we play Miami. So this week is kind of crucial for us in uh, rehabbing where Mike, Mike does a great job with that as well. He looks after the veterans, looks after the guys who've been playing, get them out on their minutes and legs and stuff. But this is a big week for us, and thankfully, yes, we might not have a big roster, but all these guys are ready to play. All the young boys might be rookies, but they know their time's coming, and you might even see some adjustments tomorrow. But the guys are ready to play whoever steps up tomorrow, and we know every single game we need everybody. So 
this is a time now we're, we're definitely going to be taking advantage of because we have a, a little, I guess, a break in between before we play in Miami on a Sunday. And then, like you said, it's just straight into it once it's Saturday. So we're managing it in, in a sense where guys know their time is, is up and coming. And like I said, there will be some changes and everybody's ready to go. Speaking of changes, Valentin Sabella made his start against Charleston last weekend. Seems like it was an eternity ago, but it really only was last weekend. For him and his journey going with the UPSL side and Florida Soccer Soldiers and then coming in and making the jump to the first team with the Independents, how have you seen him develop only being about a year, what, two months into his first professional contract? Right. I've seen him develop a lot. And more so on the mental side, too. He came through, energized last year. We definitely had a lot of veterans on the team last year. We still fought for his time. Still scored some goals, had some assists to this thing. And now, honestly, his confidence coming in, coming in was fine because he's, he considers, he considers himself like a bet on the team, being that it's, it's his second year. And he, he helps talk to the guys like Guido, the Spanish guys, other young rookies who might not understand. But he definitely, as you saw in the game, he's getting more time. He's having, having more confidence playing in the space now, creating his chance, a lot more chances every game now. So it's for him to improve, not just coming from the MPSL last year and the Open Cup to now playing and defining himself here in the city of Charlotte and uh, in the whole league pretty much. I'm very proud of him. And I know this is just the beginning. He's been putting in a lot of work too and hopefully he has a great career. One of the biggest shocks during the offseason was the club signing all-time leading goal scorer Dane Kelly. And when we spoke in January, he said, all right, 20 goals, that's the goal for this season. Hasn't been done yet. I think his highest was 18 Reno. I'd have to fact check that. But it was definitely up there. And now he's got three goals for you guys. He's scored in every home match thus far. But it's not just his presence in the box. It's also what he's doing after he scores and his celebration, going to the corner, taking a knee, raising his fist high. How important is that for everything that's happened with this club since June 1? How important is that to have the league's leading goal scorer stand or kneel, if you will, and really make a bold statement about what the players in the club, and particularly he, stands for? It's powerful, beyond powerful. He's the all-time leading goal scorer in history. And for him, you know, everyone has been on multiple teams throughout this league, East Coast and West Coast. You know, almost the whole league is watching, and he's been in the MLS. So the whole country is pretty much watching this guy, and he's still sending a message each game, every hour. It's beyond powerful, and I can't can't commend him enough and speaking on what you said going back to the history throughout this league from beginning of quarantine I mean look how far we've come look how far you've come and you know creating change and making things happen you know look at what the independence is doing now a little bit it's a, it's a decent start but you know we're coming somewhere where like you said in June 1st we weren't really hearing much at all so to just have him I mean support me support Brandon support other guys on the team support these calls he might be Jamaican some I consider him foreign, but he's like a brother that's on his team, and he always, you know, supports the movement and understands that you know, his life matters as well too. So, I uh, definitely it's beyond powerful that he's doing this, and I'm very grateful that he's doing it each game and each game out. And speaking of things that are powerful, and just the action that you've taken to promote not only just the awareness about what's going on in the country, particularly in Charlotte, but the initiative that you've taken with collaborating with the Queen's English Soccer Show and local 
organizations to create a foundation and support them. And I know this past week you were able to provide your first check, but you also said that this is about so much more than just writing a check to somewhere like Black Love or the Creative Player Foundation. It's about really making sure that these people know that, hey, I'm here, I'm invested, and this isn't just a, here's your check, have a nice day. Right, and that's the thing a lot of times with what happens with charities that feel that people, you know, always want to help, but they do it one time and it's like they've done their job and you don't hear from them for a while. And that, that just, it also impacts them. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that that might have on, you know, homeless people or people that are in need as well because they're, they look up to us and maybe they might have gotten some kind of hope because we came around and then we just disappear. That also mentally, you know, might bring them back to the regression that they just came from. So, I want to make relationships, want to make long-lasting friendships to show that it's just, it's just more than, even the meals that I serve, I feel just giving somebody hope can go such a long way in their days. And yes, meals do help and food, clothing, shoes, everything does help, but the relationship part can really be everlasting and create change. And I want them to affect others and throughout the city and hopefully, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there often going there again this weekend. So I'm gonna be there weekly regardless. And I just wanna, you know, show my face and make sure they know I'm here for a while and things will change. In addition to that, you've also been tackling what needs to change on the pitch and just within the soccer community in general with your show Backyard Footy and hosting various Black Lives Matter episodes and if you have not listened to them yet, go listen, subscribe, download, do all the things because they're fantastic. Tell me a bit about, you know, the players you've had on there, the things that you guys have discussed and, you know, just the perspectives that it brings because I know we've talked about this in the past where a lot of people will say, well, black people don't play soccer. And case in point, that's not true. So tell me a bit about this journey with exploring that deeper and deeper, not only with players, but with coaches as well. Yeah, so that even talking about our previous episodes last year and talking about just growing up being black in soccer, sometimes people don't really see or hear the struggles that we go through. So, you know, I've been doing the show for some time over a quarantine, you have to adjust to Zoom, and because of times, Black Black Matter and things, I'm like, I don't want to keep doing these, you know, one-on-one sessions or, you know, yes, they're good informational episodes, but I want to educate people, it's time to educate, it's time to, you know, show them something that from our experiences they don't get. So that was that's what's led me to the black soccer the black players sorry side of the story. And that was impactful. The first one was very good and had a bunch of guys from the MLS that I didn't even think I could get on as well. And they shared insight just like Joe Gell talking about hearing racist chance over in uh, overseas in Germany. His coach calling him the N word and stuff like that. Like some people don't hear these stories at all and I'm very honored just to be, you know, be given a platform for people, for all of us to share, because that changes my perspective. Just learning from that changes everybody's perspective. And then going to the second one, I had Fatai on my show, and because of what Fatai said and spoke up, the owner ended up donating 250K to local diversity programs and communities in the local city. And that was one of the biggest achievements that I've had because I reached out to others who were able to get Fatai on, and you know, you, you just, you're just sharing your story and sharing what's going on in your experiences. Never you, you would have imagined that, you know, a club is, is going to donate money, but that just also speaks to clubs thinking that they've done enough off one little statement. And then they sit back and then you hear from their players literally saying he's getting racist comments from this inbox and stuff. And then that changes the whole perspective. Like, yes, you guys, it's, it's not, the job's not done after one statement. 
And so that also led me to the coach's perspective. And I mean, I got to give a shout out to Mike Jeffries because he's the one who put me in contact with Brian Haynes. He randomly came up to me and was like, you know, Mike's very well connected in the U.S. soccer world. And he's, I guess, been listening to my podcast and said, I know some coaches that you would like me to get in contact with. And so he connected me with Brian Haynes first. And then I'm like, you know, I know some coaches back home and I know some coaches throughout this area. Why don't I do a coaches episode? So shout out Mike Jeffries, like I said, that gave me the intuition to do this coaches episode. And I only asked three questions that whole episode. And I just sat back and listened myself. And that was just, just as much as you guys are educated, I was educated because Philip Jow, for example, is a coach that used to coach me back in early high school. He used to train me as a striker almost yearly and someone we always play against as boys and play with. And to have him on my episode and share his experiences that I've never heard before, I mean, it's just mind-blowing sometimes what we have to go through just to coach the next generation. And that's also why I coach now. I coach with the Charlotte Eagles, and I just want to, you know, change the community. And well, I'm the only black coach in the organization, but I definitely want to be that light that hopefully more can come and, you know, just shed a different light for my boys. But it's been great, and we have, have something very cool coming up, too, a very another impact episode. Cannot wait to listen to it and hear all of that fantastic insight. To pivot just a little bit, when you look at the different levels of soccer in Charlotte, you've got the Eagles, PBL, USL League 2. I still want to call it the PBL, but hey, that's, that's just habit. And then you look at third division with Stumptown and then obviously the independent second division and now the addition of Charlotte FC, which almost still have its call Charlotte MLS. And they're building this club from the ground up. They have a blank slate, no excuse about why their front office, their coaching staff, their technical staff, no excuse about why it shouldn't be something other than a bunch of young middle a bunch of white guys basically what would you want what it now? I, for them for the most part they have two people of color on their staff right now so their staff is far from complete they don't play until 2022 that postponement of their inaugural season from 21 to 22 they're still building they won't announce a head coach until maybe this time july 2021 maybe august 2021 but they've got a blank slate and they've got an opportunity to really get it right. What as a player do you want to see from that organization when it comes to building that staff and building that roster? Definitely want to see some diversity. Definitely want to see more people at the front office. Maybe a, definitely diversity within the staff. It doesn't have to be a black coach. It could be a Spanish coach that speaks to the culture of the city. But if it's going to be a Spanish coach, I still would like a black coach as well. Like I've said in my episodes, I've never had a black middle school so it also just speaks volumes to the players. But I, I hope it just they just speak to the culture of the city because this culture the city is very diverse with black and Spanish and whites as well. So I hope they speak to the times. Kind of not kind of like Atlanta, but similar in a sense, but definitely more diverse. And just you know show a pathway from Lee or whatever happens in the independent championship league or whatever, but show that pathway where you're signing local guys so people have something to be inspired towards and know that, okay, if I work hard such and such years, such and such club, maybe I'll get an opportunity. That, that just creates more enthusiasm and more engagement in the community. So I definitely want a couple of local guys. I think that would speak volumes to the attendance in the stadiums. It is a business, so. 
True, true. I always have to forget that that is uh, the one part about sports that it's like, oh, it's just sports. It's, just, it's got to have fun. No, no. People are making money off this. <laughs> There's a lot at stake. So going forward with the rest of the 2020 regular season, what are some of your goals for not only your own game, but that of the team? Yeah, I, I want a home playoff game. I want a definitely a long run. I want to go to the championship. I have big, a big hopes for this team, and I really feel strongly, regardless of what's been going on this past week and a half. Like it's been early for us. We're behind the slate a little bit, and we're catching up now. And we're finding up. We're finding our groove, and it's been fun. Yes, we've turned things around a little bit, bit, but we haven't even hit our full potential yet. So I'm excited to see what happens for this group. But I want a playoff win. I want a long run in the playoffs. I I do expect good things within this team because we have a lot of talent. We can go far. Do you think that Dane is going to score a hat trick this season? I think so. Okay. I like, like, I think so. He's got 11 games left to do it during the regular season. So you got to make the playoffs to give him just a little bit more cushion. Right, just a little bit. I got you. Yes. And what is the farthest in your USL career? How far have you gone into the playoffs? I've never won a playoff game. Really? Well, there are two, I wouldn't say curses, but two facts of note that I know that Coach Jeffries would say, God, why is she bringing those up? But this club has never won a playoff game. They've been twice. Played at Rochester both times, lost to Rochester both times. And North Carolina FC, even when they were the Railhawks, I mean, it's it's been an interesting Dichotomy between these two clubs. They haven't beaten them since the Open Cup that first year in 2015. Independence never, doesn't? Never beaten them in league play. So you guys play them multiple times. Because oh, four of the times, way, right? Yeah, the way that the group is set up. So if, oh, it, yeah. does, if it doesn't happen this year, that I might have to say there really is a curse associated with when these two clubs meet up. So I, throw that off for the radar. Very big game. You can't wait. We're coming right <laughs> We're ready. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, goodness knows I could keep you here all day, and I appreciate it. I know, right? Of course. It's one of those things. We get to talk shop, and we're like, we're kids in a candy store. We just right, right, right. all day. That's what we do every day. Exactly. Well, hey, I appreciate you. Tell people how they can get involved with supporting your foundation, how they can listen to Backyard Footy, how they can interact with you on social media. How can people do all that? Yeah, so Backyard Footy, as she stated, is a podcast that I created two years ago, given behind-the-scenes experiences from us pro athletes. You can find Backyard Footy on all social media platforms, Twitter, at Backyard Footy. That's all one word, IGs, Backyard Footy with two Ys, Facebook as well. Um, my Apple Podcast, I'm on. I'm on every every platform as well, Spotify, Google Stitcher. I mean, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts as well. That's Backyard Footy. Three separate words for that, though, backyard footing. Um, and then, as she stated, I started my first foundation a month ago, and I just did my first check donation. Check the links in my bio. You can check mine. I'm superhuman, all one word as well. You can check the links in my bio or backyard footies. And not only can you buy a T-shirt, the T-shirts, all proceeds go to the foundation, but you can just donate on the GoFundMe as well. And I'm matching proceeds every single game as well, so follow the season and, you know, match me in my proceeds. But you definitely, I commend everybody, and I appreciate it, every single dollar everyone donated, so thank you. And can't forget, Seal Charlotte, you and goalkeeper Brandon Miller are both 
pledging, matching, donating, helping people in the Charlotte area who are housing insecure, whether that's because of the coronavirus pandemic or these are struggles that they're facing prior to the pandemic, Heal Charlotte helps them find temporary housing and transition into permanent housing. So people can also match you guys on there and just continue make continue to just have a good impact on what's going on in the community. With this pandemic going on, a lot of people are going through housing crisis, food crisis, and health crisis. So every dollar matters, and we appreciate it all. And, you know, times are tough right now. So thank you. Hey, appreciate the work that you were doing on and off the pitch. Appreciate having you on today. And until next time in the in-between time, there is a soccer-specific newsletter that we created at the beginning of 2020 where every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. you can get content about the independence, about Charlotte FC, college soccer with Charlotte 49ers, everything in between. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot, but you don't want to miss it. You want to make sure that you head over to the charlottepost.com and you head over to the QCFC tab. Any of those stories, it'll have a link to sign up to the newsletter in there. And until next time, make sure you subscribe on all the fabulous platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, the works. Just do it, all of it. And make sure that you pick up a copy of the post every Thursday or just subscribe. In the meantime, I'm your host, Ashley Mahoney. Hugh, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Talk to you soon. Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.